seeds for this series were planted in my heart uh, several years ago, truth be told. I started noticing in Scripture the various body parts used to describe God. Human body parts used to describe God. And I just began to scribble down notes and make outlines and the series is upon us. Tonight we look at the hands of God. I want you to turn in your Bible to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 is where we're going to go just for a few minutes. Boy, I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you've come today to celebrate our God. We have a reason to celebrate Him, amen? And now to learn of Him. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, look at verse 1. All this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. God, we're so grateful for today. We thank you for your presence in this room, your power that has been poured upon us and in us so that we might become what you desire us to be. We might do what you have designed us to do. We ask now, God, that you would just speak to us by your word, transform our lives yet again as we give you thanks and praise. Come on, if you want to be transformed by the power of the word of God, just give me a good, strong amen. amen. Solomon. Solomon is the one who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Most scholars agree with this. What do we know about Solomon? What do you know about Solomon? Anyone? Okay. If you could sum up in one word Solomon, it probably would be wise. Wisdom. It is the thing that Solomon requested above everything else. Above riches, above health, above status. He said, God, if I could just be wise, if you would just give me wisdom. I think it's a good prayer to pray today. If you will just ask God to give you wisdom, you don't know how one day is going to unfold and what encounters may be before you, but God does, and He will just give us wisdom. We can navigate through our days. But Solomon not only received wisdom from God, he also got a bonus from God, and he, he got the, the, the wealth, the long life, the status. Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, the wisest man that ever lived. It's interesting to me that he saw the significance of God's hand. How big, how strong, how mighty and powerful are the hands of God. As I preach this morning, as I teach today, I want you to imagine with your mind's eye the hands of God. What do they look like to you? See God's hands today. Solomon made a profound statement. He said, the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. We continue in this series, The Anatomy of God. And throughout this series, we've examined various body parts used in Scripture in order to describe they describe God, but it is in order for us to understand God better, to know God better, and then to know what God's plan is for our lives. How many want to know what God's plan is for your life? Let me see your hand. 
We've made a decision to follow God. We believe that the God that we are serving is the only God. There aren't, he's not one of many. He's the only God. Our society would like us to believe that there are many gods, there are many pathways to heaven. This is just not so. God said, I am that I am. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the gateway to God. He is the pathway to heaven. We have all, most I hope most all in this room, have made our decision that we believe in this God. How many believe in this God? I think most here believe in this God. That's why you're here today. You want to, you want to grow in God. So if you believe in a God that you've never seen, a God that you've never heard audibly, now I understand there are a handful in the room that would say, I've heard God's voice. Great. Congratulations. I think it's wonderful. I haven't. I haven't. I'm not even seeking that I hear his voice audibly here because I know I'm going to hear it for the rest of my life when I'm in, in eternity. I don't have to hear his voice. I've already made up my mind. Plus, I hear him speak through his word. Pastor Creighton preached on the voice of God. This series, we've looked at the heart of God, the face of God, the ears of God, the eyes of God, the voice of God. Today, we're looking at the hands of God. All so we can know God better. We've made our decision to follow him. Shouldn't we want to know him more? Shouldn't we want to know him better? Don't you want to see a side of God that you've never seen? Don't you want to know a part of God that you haven't known before? Who is this God? Let's study him from the head to the toe. Let's study all that the scripture says about our God so we can know him better and then better communicate him and his love to other people. Can you think of one person right off the top of your head that needs to experience the love of our God? Of course you can. So we must know him. That's what this series is all about. I found the Bible actually makes many references to the hands of God. And what God's hands are able to do. Let's consider these three today. I'd like you to take some notes that I believe are going to be quite helpful to you in knowing God, understanding God. We're going to first look at God's creating hands. We see the hands of God creating. One of the first things we see God's hands doing, in fact, are creating. I want you to open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. Everyone, please, be it leather-bound edition or there on your tablet or on your phone, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to stay there for a little while, so I want you to see in the version that you read, I want you to see this. Genesis chapter 1, let's all go there together. We see the hands of God creating. He created, for instance, the heavens. God created the heavens. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This word created 
In the Greek, it translates bara. And it means to form or fashion, to produce, to create. Originally, this verb carried the idea of carving or cutting out. Imagine this. See God's hands today. Fashioning, forming, creating out of absolutely nothing. The hands of God involved in creation. Now, there may be someone already a little bit ahead of me right here, and you're, you're thinking, wait a minute, Pastor. Uh, the Bible says God spoke, and it was. Anybody thinking that? Well, the Bible does say he spoke. But actually, if you'll study closely, you'll see the creation account suggesting that God uses his voice and his hands in creation. Let me just interject right here. When I'm talking about God's hands, God's voice, God's uh, eyes, any body parts, we're just simply going by what Scripture says to help us to better understand who God is. Genesis 1-6, we see this in his creation of the firmament. The firmament is just the space above ground, the space above water, the firmament. Genesis 1-6, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Then the next verse, Genesis 1-7, thus God made, created, bara, fashioned and formed, God made the firmament. We see this same pattern with the creation of the sun and the moon, 1-14 of Genesis then God spoke. God said, let there be lights in the firmament in the heavens to divide the day from the night. Verse 16, then God made two great lights. We see it in the creation of all sea creatures. Verse 20 of Genesis 1, then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of sea creatures. 21 of Genesis 1, so God bara created, fashioned, formed, all sea creatures. Same pattern with the creation of the birds of the air. Same pattern with the creation of the beasts of the field. God said, God made. God spoke, God created. Can you see how big our God is? To speak and to form with his hands the heavens and the earth, the sun, moon, and the stars. The Bible says that he actually holds the stars in his hands. As we look at God's creating hands, seeing him create, noticing him create the heavens and the earth, we, we, it is to show us how big and how powerful his hands are. Remember, he created out of absolutely nothing. There was nothing, and God said, I'm going to make something. And so he did. God created. He created the heavens, but he, he went on to create more. He created the human race. God created humans. Now, as the creation of the heavens and the earth show his, his power and his might, the creation of the human race shows 
is intimacy and how personally involved God is in the human race. Genesis 1.27, just stay there in chapter 1 and 2 with me for a little bit. So God created, here it is again, he created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Verse number 7 of chapter 2, it goes on to say exactly how God did this. Then the Lord God formed. Here's just another version of that bara, created, made. He formed, fashioned the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature. How many would like God just to breathe into your life fresh air today? Amen. Wow. See, God did something here that he didn't do with all other creation. He said, let's make man in our image. This, by the way, is a nod to the Trinity, our image, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all represented here in creation. Let us make man in our image, and then God breathed life into the nostrils of man. He didn't do that for the zebra. He didn't do that for the orangutan. Hallelujah. He spoke it, then he fashioned and formed it, but man was different. Humankind was different. And he said, it's not good that man be alone. Oh, I like this part right here. God rolled up his sleeves, and he got really busy, and he perfected. It was a trial basis for man, but then he perfected things when he made woman. You know that, don't you, men? We were, we were just a trial, and then he, he, he really perfected things. When he, Aren't you glad that God made woman? Amen. All the men should have really helped me right there. Aren't you glad that God, aren't you glad that the earth isn't populated with just men? Lord, help us. He said, man should not be alone. I am going to create for him a helpmate. Woo! So the Lord God caused a deep sleep. Genesis 2.21 the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. And while he slept, he took, he formed with his hand, he reached in and took one of the ribs and closed up its place with flesh. Look at verse 22. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woe man and brought her to the man. You don't have to be alive very long to know that there's a, there's a difference between a man and a woman. And it's because God's hands were involved in fashioning and forming the male and the female of the human race. God's hands creating the heavens and the earth. God's hands creating all humankind. But God created humans for a purpose. Adam and Eve had a purpose. We even have a little glimpse of their job description in verse 28 of chapter 1. God blessed Adam and Eve and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea. Uh, 
fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on earth. There was purpose in God designing man. Do you know that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God? Wow. God wanted to have fellowship with man. He longed to be with man. But man sinned. Eve listened to the serpent. The serpent convinced her the fruit was okay to partake of. She partook. Then she gave it to Adam. And as Karen so aptly uh, displayed for us on Mother's Day, she said, Eve just held it out. And Adam just said, yes, I want a bite of that. She also reminded us that Eve was naked when she did this. And so that may have come into play. <laughs> Aren't you glad God made woman men? I really am. I thank God for Karen. God has created, just as God created Adam and Eve with a purpose, so God has created you for a purpose. Let me ask you this question today What is that purpose? Why did God create you? Not just humankind. Why did God create you? The Bible says, while we were still in our mother's womb, he formed us. There's that word again, by the way. He formed us while we're still, haven't even taken our first breath of oxygen. We're still connected to mom. Inside, God is, God's hand is involved in your life. Do you, do you see how big, how intimate God's hands are? Forming you, fashioning you, creating you. What is that purpose? Why did God create you? We have to figure this out. I believe all of us as followers of Christ, have a purpose. Let's figure out what our purpose is, and let's not let the enemy distract us from that purpose any longer. Let's not let the enemy keep us from our purpose in God another day. God has created you, formed you, and fashioned you, barad you, while you were still in your mother's womb. Why? Thank you. Somebody's with me. I'll take a baby chattering back to me any day. I love it, actually. I love a baby in church. Give it to me any day. It says there's life, there's growth, something's happening. It doesn't bother me in the least. Come to life groups tonight. We have our life groups tonight, and we are going deeper with this thought in particular. Why did God create me? God formed me and fashioned me with his own hands. Why? So we're going to take you to Jeremiah chapter, uh, where are we going? 
chapter 18, isn't it, Pastor Moses? Jeremiah chapter 18. We're going to go there tonight in our life groups or this afternoon whenever your life group meets. We're going deeper and we're going to see God as the potter. And we are a, a pile of clay on the potter's wheel. And he is forming us. He is fashioning us. Oh, I see a little flaw there. And we're smashed. Can you believe it? We, he, has, he has to start over. Nobody really likes that. Starting over because there's a flaw, because there's a crack. But see, he's the potter and I'm the clay. Who are we to say to the potter, I don't like what you're making me to be. I don't like the vessel that you fashioned me to be. You have to come to life groups today and go deeper with this. It's going to be amazing. We see God's hand creating. We also see God's hand correcting. You might want to sit back in your seat for the next few minutes. <laughs> Nobody really likes to be corrected. Let's just, can we be real today? God's hands correct us. But if, we, if, if we're not corrected... We can't become better. That's what Proverbs 3.12 says. Just as a father punishes a son he delights in to make him better. So the Lord corrects you. Do you want to be better? Do you want to be better in your employment? A better employee? A better manager maybe? Better supervisor? better boss. I don't know where you are in the scale of employment, whether you're receiving the uh, supervision or if you're giving supervision. Chances are you're in both positions, right? Somebody's over you. But I want to be better. Stacy. I want to be better at what I do. So in order to be better, we have to understand correction comes. Correction is part of the process of becoming better. If you're a teacher, I see Rose here. How long have you been teaching? 13? 16 years? Wow. Did you know exactly what to do on year one and two? Did you go to school? You took schooling. But some of it is just learn as you go and probably having the principal or vice principal or someone saying, hey, you, you know, I, I, I need to help you here. And bringing correction. Because if you don't correct something, you'll keep doing it the wrong way. I don't want to keep doing things the wrong way. I want to be corrected so I can learn how to do what God has called me to do the right way. Somebody help me this morning. He corrects just like a father would correct or punish a son that he delights in in order to make him better. Everybody turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. Now I'm going to ask you to flip over into the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's go there together. There's several things that I want to pull out of this portion of Scripture. And so I would like you there with me this morning. Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to this. Verse number 6. For the Lord disciplines, corrects the one he loves. 
and he chastises every son or daughter. This is gender neutral right here. When it talks about sons, it's, it's sons and daughters. He disciplines the one he loves, chastises every son or daughter whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons or daughters. For what son or daughter is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are Ill, illegitimate children and not sons. Wow. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Sure does. But later, somebody say, but later. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Wow. He disciplines us. He corrects us. The correcting hand of God. Why does God create, uh, correct us? He does it because, first of all, he loves us. God loves us. Verse number 6, right there in Hebrews 12. The Lord disciplines or corrects the one he loves. Carmen, I remember I was probably about 10, maybe. How old are your kids? 12 and 9. I was right between there, some, somewhere right between your kids' age, I, I guess. And I remember one time in particular sitting at the dinner table, and I sassed my mom. Now, she wasn't right next to me. Maybe that's why I sassed her. I didn't realize how long her hand really was, or her arm really was. I didn't know how quickly her hand could come across my mouth. I mean, it was like the, the long arm of the law, only it was the long arm of my mom. And she just would pop me right in the mouth if I'd sass her or say something inappropriate, which was so rare, of course. <laughs> She'd just, right? You know, I, she didn't have to do that very many times. And I learned I better not say that or certainly not say it in her presence. Why? She's trying to tell me that she loves me. <laughs> you got a funny way of showing that you, that you love me, Mom, right? You know. You ever heard the phrase, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? Let's just save us both some pain then. I don't want you to hurt, Mom, so let's just not worry about it. Seriously, as a parent, you understand that phrase. When you really have to correct your child, you don't, wanna, you don't want to do that. But if you don't do that, you don't really love them. By the way, I'm not advocating you popping your child in the mouth. I say get the belt out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
did I say that? That's so not acceptable today. However, the Bible does say, spare the rod and what? I won't preach that like I really want to. I think correction is in order. If you love your child, you have to find ways to correct them. Okay? Let me leave it at that. My mother popped me in the mouth because she loved me. God corrects us because he loves us. He loves us with a love that we can't really grasp or truly comprehend. Why does God correct us? He corrects us because it is for our own good. That's what the scripture says in verse number 10, 12, 10. He disciplines us or corrects us for our good. It doesn't feel like it at the time, but it is so. Remember, God knows everything. God sees the future. He sees the snare you're about to step into. So possibly his hand might reach to you quickly to pull you from it. I remember my cousin one time, uh, my, my cousin Buzz is his name. He, thank you, he'll like to shout it out to him, Buzz. His wife is Jan. Jan, I remember one time we were on the side of a road. I don't remember the circumstances as to why we were there, but I remember this moment. We were on the side of the road. I was probably about 12. I didn't pay attention to everything. And all I knew, Jimmy, was her hand grabbed me firmly. I mean, it actually hurt. She grabbed my arm and pulled me. And I remember yanking from her and giving her the dirtiest look. I was like, you're not my mom. Next thing I know, a car zoomed by the road right where I had been standing. Jan had no time to say, Steve, you, you know, there's a car coming. She just reacted, and it was for my good. Had she not reacted the way she did and just take me by the arm with her hand and pull me, I could have been hit. May have been. It, God doesn't have to tell us why he's correcting us. We just have to know that the scripture says he does it because he loves us. He corrects us and disciplines us because it's for our good. It's like medicine, isn't it? Sometimes it tastes nasty going down. But when you get up in the morning and you feel better and you're ready to go to work, you're glad you took it the night before. Come on, somebody. Why does God correct us? There's one more reason the scripture tells us. He corrects us in order to train us. He's trying, <laughs> he's trying to train us, but it takes me a while. I don't know about you, but it takes me a while. You have to, you have to, training suggests ongoing until we get it. Verse number 11, could we find verse 11 for us again? For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. He's training us. And the method is correction. Discipline. So then we understand 
how to stay on a right path. What's he training us toward? Well, it says he wants us to be holy, right? He's trying to help us to be holy. Verse 10, I think it says. Yeah. He disciplines us for our good so that we might share in his holiness. God is training us to live a certain way. Church, you have to get this today before you leave. We are not supposed to live like the world. The Bible is very clear that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And if we're talking like the world and we're acting like the world, and there's really no distinction, God is training us to live holy. He wants to share his holiness with us. So discipline happens. Correction happens. He's training us to produce righteous fruit. Training us to be holy. Training us to produce righteous fruit. We see that again in verse 11. All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it produces, it yields the peaceful fruit righteousness. The fruit of the Spirit produced through discipline, produced through correction. So if God is correcting you, you should say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. It means you're his son. It means you're his daughter. Have you ever seen the neighbor's kid acting out and you would say, Boy, if that was my kid, here's what I'd do. But you're, you're powerless because the, it's not your son, it's not your daughter. They're acting out, and you say, if that was my kid. How many would be honest, and you've said that before? And you, you know what to do, but you can't do it. But if it is my kid, mm, I got one of them in here today. I love Elliot and Butler and Daisy so much that I refuse to let them go uncorrected. They are going to be disciplined. She's 17 years old, and she still knows she's going to be corrected when necessary because I love her. If not, it's like it's, you're, you'd be like the neighbor's kid that I can't do anything about. The Bible says it's like an illegitimate son. Like the father punishes his son whom he delights in to make him better. This is why God corrects us. Earthly pain, eternal gain. Temporary sorrow, eternal glory. What else do we see the hand of God doing? We see him creating. We see him correcting. You must see this aspect of his hand. God's caring hand. Thank you, Father. God cares so much for you. His hands care. His hands are full of care. Perhaps one of the most important aspects of God's hands, the care found in his hands. 
Because God cares for you, he offers healing. Because he cares, there is healing in his hands. How many would give testimony today that you've been healed by God? You've been healed before by God. Why? Because he cares for you. We see Jesus, God the Son, reaching out and touching so many who needed a healing touch. He healed them. He extended his hands and healed them. Why? Because he cares. There's care in his hands. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over, couldn't fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. Verse number 13. And he laid his hands on her and immediately, hallelujah, she straightened up and she began to glorify God. If you need healing today, just lift your hands right now because I'm believing that the God that touched this woman and had care in his hands and healing in his hands is the same God and he is able today with care to offer healing to you. God, we ask right now that you would bring healing to the brothers and sisters in this room. By your hand, heal all who are in pain, all who are sick. God cares for you. Because he cares for you, there's healing in his hands. Because he cares for you, there is provision in his hands. Hallelujah. I don't know exactly what you need right now, but I know that God knows, and he has the supply for all that you need. One of my favorite scriptures, Philippians 4, 19. And my God, hallelujah, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. His hand is full of your supply. What do you need right now? Know that God has your supply. Remember it says your need, not your greed. Some people get it all mixed up. And they want God to supply their greed. He'll supply our need. And if there is a delay in his supplying, he's probably working something out in you. Chances are. He's teaching you and training you, remember. Will you still praise him while you're waiting on your supply? Can you still thank him? Even though the supply is delayed in your mind. See the caring hands of God today. Offering you healing. Offering you provision. See God's hand covering you and protecting you through the time of storm. Because he cares, there's protection in his hand. Isaiah 51, 16. Behold, excuse me, Isaiah 51, 16. And I have put my words in your mouth and hidden you, hallelujah, safe within my hand. I wonder how many times God has just scooped us up and hidden us. 
feel like we can't go on. We feel like at times we'll lose our minds. We feel like we'll give up. God knows when to let us just keep on fighting and build our faith and send other people. And he knows when to just scoop us up and, and hide us in his, in his hand. He's doing that for somebody right now. You're resting in the, the hands of the Almighty. The hands that created the heavens and the earth are now holding you in the palm of his hand. It's your time to rest. It's your time to hear his voice. It's your time to let him just cover you under his wing. Protection. Who needs extra protection right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Rest in his hand. Let him hide you in his hand. He cares for us. He proves it by healing coming from his hand, provision coming from his hand, protection coming from his hand. Because he cares for us, let me close. There's salvation in his hand. Isaiah 59, 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. Wow. The saving hand of God reaching out to rescue. <laughs> Come on, I want to just, I want to rescue you. Mighty to save. We're out there floundering, drowning, and we say, oh no, I don't want that. I want something else to save me. See, his hand is not, is not shortened that it cannot save, verse number one says. Now bring up verse number two. However, your iniquities, your sin, have made a separation between you and God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Close your eyes for a moment. Picture his hands. Come on, see the hands of God, strong, mighty, powerful. Creating, correcting, caring hands. See that today. Wow. Now see his hands reaching out to you. Don't let sin separate you any longer from God. He reaches out his hands to you. Reach out to him. He'll pick you up with his hand. He will love you. He will forgive you. He will hold you in the palm of his hands. If you're here today, every head is bowed. You're here today, and you are separated from God. You're not really serving God. You're not following Him. But today, you want to reconnect to Him. You want to surrender your life to Him. If that's you, lift your hand right now, and let me pray for you before we leave. Thank you. Lift your hand. You can put it right back down. His hand is reaching out. 
His hand to save, rescue. In a moment, I'm going to ask all of us to stand. Pastor Moses is going to sing this chorus through. And as we stand, if you lifted your hand, I want you to make your way to the front so we can pray with you today and lead you to the saving hands of, of Jesus. Everyone standing. Savior, he can move the mountain. Come on and come to my the arms God of Jesus today. To Step is out from where you are. Take hold of his hand. The author of salvation. Hallelujah. He rose and conquered the I want you to come and dismiss us in prayer today, my brother. Aren't you glad for the strong hands of God in your life? Amen. Amen. Just before he dismisses us in prayer, don't forget about life groups. I want you involved in this. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the word that you've given us, God. Let it be deposited in our hearts, Lord. Let us understand it. Let us apply it to our lives. Let us understand you even more, Lord. We thank you for your hands, Lord. God, and we just pray, Lord, that as we go out, Lord, we go out with you, Lord. And remembering that you are still with us, dear Heavenly Father. We're not going to leave you here at the church, Lord, but we're going to take you wherever we go, Lord. We ask for protection and your safety and your guidance in the name of Jesus. Amen.